0: Welcome back to another episode of Whisk Pro Sports. Today is Wednesday, February fifth. My name is Jesse McNamer. I am the host of this podcast where we recap the last week in the Packers, the Bucks, and the Brewers. This episode will be shorter than usual for obvious reasons. The Packers are done. The Brewers aren't doing anything. It's just the Bucks right now, so it'll be mostly Bucks talk. But I will hit on the others because there's a couple, you know, a couple things to hit on here and there. But Overall, let's just let's just talk about the Bucks really. Briefly, I will touch on the Packers. Obviously, the season's over. The Super Bowl happened this past weekend. Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers. Uh I kinda I mean I saw it coming, at least. Obviously, football can go either way, but Patrick Mahomes is just too good. He was a defensive offsides last year away from going to the Super Bowl and probably winning it. And this would have been his back to back. So he's just he's just that good. Uh, the 49ers were obviously way better than the Packers were. That was clear. So it's just clear that to get to the Super Bowl, there's a big step the Packers need to take. And we talked about it last week. You need inside linebackers. You need inside D-line. You need wide receivers. How they feel that is totally up in the air. So I'm not going to fill time talking about that because I have no idea. A lot of people think, I mean, the general consensus is first-round wide receiver. There are definitely some very smart people out there saying that that's not a good idea. I don't know. I'm not going to dive too deep into it. The biggest Packers news is that the new Hall of Fame inductees were selected and Leroy Butler was not chosen as one. Packers fans are just livid about it. Leroy Butler ha- ha- handled it uh, in a very professional way, you know, as you'd expect professional athletes to. Not, not that they always do, obviously, but he's very professional about it. He'll say, you know, wait till next year. He thinks he deserves it absolutely, and I think most Packers fans do, but we'll have to wait one more year to see if Leroy Butler can make it into the Hall of Fame. He will eventually for sure, but one of these years, one of these years, it's going to actually happen for him. But that's really it in Packers news. I mean, I don't really want to talk about the Super Bowl because we weren't in it, and I mean, it's just, we should have been. We should have been, but whatever. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks only played three games since last Wednesday, they played Friday against the Nuggets, which was their only loss. They played Sunday before the Super Bowl against the Suns and got the win. And then they played last night against the New Orleans Pelicans. Their first matchup was Zion, which they won as well. Now usually I pick the loss as the as the go to you know, game to talk about. I'm not gonna this time, just because the Nuggets beat bucks the same way every single team beats the bucks right now which is by making just a crazy amount of threes. I believe they had like 22 threes. If if the buck if any team gives up 22 threes, they're probably going to lose and especially with the bucks who that's their one weakness in their defense. It's pretty much game over, but it's only happened, I mean, we're 50 games through, it's happened 7 times. I was looking through the stats between wins and losses the opponent, you know, field goal percentage stuff. The field goal percentage in wins is the same, like in in wins versus losses, is the same difference between uh, three point percentage. And I mean, I, I mean, everything revolves around the three. In wins, the Bucks give up about 13 and a half threes. In losses, they give up 18 threes. In, in wins, they give up about 105 points. In losses, they give up 120. I mean, five three difference, you know, 15 points. It's literally just. I don't yeah I mean there's other reasons obviously but the huge big reason most prominently is that they just run into teams that go crazy from three and I think if somebody's gonna beat you four times in seven games in the playoffs like that all power to them they deserve it but I I don't know that's pretty that's a lot of threes to hit in the game eighteen is a lot I I don't I don't see it. You know, it's just not worth talking about again. That's that's the general gist of the Bucks losses so far. If there's a loss that's a little different, we'll talk about it that way, but not right now. Not right now. This time, we're going to go with the Pelicans. Last night's game, which the Bucks won 120-108. The first matchup of Zion versus Giannis. Point Giannis. Giannis definitely takes this one, finishing th- with 34 points. To uh, Zion's 20, Giannis was 34-17-6 and six, with a block and a steal on 12-of-17 and 9-of-13 from the line. Pretty good compared to Zion who had 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists on 5-of-19. So two more shots than Giannis, seven less makes. He was 10-for-14 from the line, so credit to him for getting to the line. But it was, I think the real story here was that the Bucks bench was nearly absent the entire game, and that is usually a huge, you know, strong suit of the of the Bucks. And t- to get outscored, you know, by I, it was like fifteen points from the Pelicans bench, which really was just Redick, Melly, Etwan Moore, Josh Hart. Those guys all scored at least eight. With Redick scoring 13 on five of 10, Redick should not be scoring that much. He should—he just shouldn't be. He's too short and slow, and I mean, he's got a great shot, but it's not so good that the Bucks shouldn't be able to hold him till you know less than 15. A little frustrating there, and it was really just the Bucks starters that carried the whole load. Out of the 120 points, 99 of them were scored by the five starters. Lopez with the least at 12. Chris had a good game with 20 on 9 of 18. Bledsoe was a little shaky here and there, but he was very aggressive. And Matthews had probably if at least one of his best games of the season with 17 points on 6 of 11 and 5 of 9 from 3. Which, I mean, Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews need to shoot threes better than they have all season. Brooke just really, really has, and he was over for 4 in this one. But Wes... Nice to see him see a bunch go in. Five, five threes going in a game for him. That's really nice to see. But again, the bench, tough to see. Ursa on two shots, no points. Corver did get nine on three of eight, which isn't a high percentage. Connaughton was two or three. You like to see that. And Dante was three of ten. Not great to see. The whole bench, the only, the only one to hit a three was Corver, who hit three of them the rest of them combined for seven attempts and hit none of them. The bench just needs to step up. For the for the game, the Bucks shot under 31% from from deep and still were able to pull out a win, which is awesome, but it also helps that the Pelicans shot under 29%. Now they did make three more than the Bucks, but they also shot 13 more. So You'll take it. The first half was definitely all Pelicans, and still the Bucs were only down three at halftime, and a 42-point third quarter. The Bucs always seem to have one of those quarters. The Pelicans just have no matches. Zion was awesome. They He met Giannis at the rim a couple times. Giannis won one by just a clean block. Wasn't called anything. The second one they called a shooting foul. A lot of people are unsure about the shooting foul, but whatever. They each got one. Giannis pre-decisively won this matchup as a whole. But nevertheless, it was really fun. Still the leader of the Pelicans, though, is Brandon Ingram. He had 32 on 12 of 19. It's just, I like talking about the Pelicans because they are going to be, they were a fun team before they added Zion. And Zion's clearly the most, probably the most watched athlete right now, I would say. You just really don't want to miss anything because you just you're not sure what he's capable of on NBA on an NBA floor so keeping an eye on it is is pretty important right now it's just exciting to watch you know Ingram, Williamson, they have Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday who we're not going to get but I was hoping they got they got a whole they got a whole bunch of guys that are just young fun to watch you're not sure what they're capable of and competing for the eighth seed in the west so kind of interesting but nevertheless not a very good team Compared to the Bucs, especially, who are now 20, 20 and four on the road. And again, through 50 games, 43 and seven. They're the eighth team in NBA history to reach 43 wins in 50 games. The previous seven all, I believe, won the NBA finals, if not made it. They definitely all made it. I believe they all won. There's a lot of basketball left to be played, but the Bucks are healthy. Looking good. We'll get George Hill back real soon. It's looking it's looking bright. Week by week, they're making progress, and I'm really excited. The other thing I want to add at the end of this Bucks part, they did the NBA announce their all-star reserves last Thursday. Chris Middleton, clear outright all-star, and he was decided as one. So that was great to see. There was going to be a full-on ride if he wasn't. There were some snubs out there, and they included Eric Bledsoe, and Eric Bledsoe was getting roasted for being considered a snub, but the NBA just really doesn't appreciate defense whatsoever because compared to the snubs like Booker, Beal, yeah, Bledsoe plays 10 times the defense, those guys do, but not everybody looks at it as two sides of the court equally. That's all right. There were snubs that it's okay that Bledsoe didn't make it, but, and I'm also happy that no more than two players made it from any team because if there was one to get three, if it wasn't the Bucks, that would also, you know, start a riot. Right now, the okay. One more thing too. One more thing. Trade deadlines tomorrow, Thursday. Some trade, a huge trade, four-team trade went down last night. The Bucks aren't going to do anything crazy. They will make a trade. I almost guarantee it. Ninety-five percent guarantee that they make a trade. It might not be very exciting. It probably won't be very exciting. But teams have been calling about Sterling Brown, which is surprising to me. I absolutely would like to get anything in return for Sterling Brown. Even a pick that you can use again. I want to trade Indiana's first round. Like, let's just add somebody. The good thing with the with the trade that happened last night is that pretty much everybody is staying in the West. It's not anybody that the Bucks are really ever gonna to have to match up with in the playoffs, unless the Rockets make it to the finals, which I don't think they will. So that's pretty much the NBA Bucks wrap up. Bucks still winning. Chris, all-star. Giannis, obviously all-star captain. Next weekend, not this weekend, the next weekend is the all-star break. And trade deadline. Just keep an eye on it. There'll be something, but it won't be anything huge. Covington's gone, so we know that. Covington won't be included in any trade. We'll see from there. Lastly, the Milwaukee Brewers. Little to talk about there. But there is a couple things to mention. Right away, Luis Urias, one of the new infield additions, probably going to play shortstop. He is going to miss six to eight weeks to fix a broke broken left hammock. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Probably should have figured that out. Whatever. It's a hand thing. It's a wrist thing. Six to eight weeks. Maybe miss the first couple weeks of training camp. He sh- or, uh, he's going to miss a bunch of training camp, but... Should be back, hopefully, for opening day. We'll see. But you don't like to see that at all. I mean, everybody's reporting back. Baseball starts way sooner than everybody realizes. Six to eight weeks is kind of an unideal time for that to happen. And as far as I know, it's a brand new thing that oh, that came up after he was traded. So it's not like the Brewers knew about this beforehand. Just an unfortunate situation. The Brewers did add a player to their actual roster. They added some players to their um, to their minor league team, some camp invitees. They did all that. That's a little more in depth than we're going to go here because most of these it would just be me talking names that nobody would ever know about. The Brewers added right-handed pitcher David Phelps. He has a he had a three point one eight ERA when he was in Chicago. Should be alright. It's it's a good addition. Obviously, nobody's really that happy about what the Brewers have for pitching right now. So, to add anybody, it gives you a better chance for somebody to actually be an impact player. Gotta like it. It's just a one-year deal with the, with the uh, option of 2021. Excuse me. So, yeah. Hey, one player. One player down. But... You can look at the camp invitees if you want. It's not something that really is worth the time here, I don't think. It would just be a bunch of words just being spewed. I don't think anybody's that, listening to this is that hardcore into the Milwaukee Brewers offseason prospects, which is okay because I'm not super into it either. But that'll be about it for this podcast. Again, really, really short because there's nothing really going on right now in terms of all these three sports. Hopefully stuff picks up. Hopefully we have a trade to talk about next week with the Bucks. Maybe the Brewers do something kind of cool. Maybe the Packers do. Probably not, but we'll see. We'll see. Thank you guys for listening. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at JesseJMcNamer. There's also the podcast page at WhiskPro, just Whisk Pro, on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you guys next Wednesday.